Jesus is not coming to save you. Welcome to the Kinship Collective Podcast. I'm Mark, your host, and this conversation is ending otherness. We are cultivating kinship through storytelling, scripture, and service. Welcome to the conversation. The idea that Jesus isn't coming to save you was kind of sparked, instigated, provoked by some of our conversations around the table in our original pilot reimagined cohort. We had people come together from all around Los Angeles and hold the tension of the story we've been given with new context and what could this mean for me and what have I always been believing but wrestling together we created that safe space for one another a space to wrestle and to feel really confused and frustrated but then to be reoriented to new truth that made faith in Christ make even more sense and still be faith beyond certainty if you're interested in a faith a safe faith space (laughs) for you to be able to wrestle around a table with new realities that you are holding differently. Maybe you're not suppressing something you always have. Maybe you have always felt oppressed by the kinds of understandings of God that you have been taught. This could be a wonderful space for you to recalibrate and reorient your faith. You can register today. We're going to be meeting in person on Thursday nights in Pasadena after Easter. You'll get more information if you're up for that and you register today. It's The link is on our website. We'll put it in the show notes so you can join. However the heck you're listening, you'll find those notes there. Also, we have another kinship night coming up on May 20th. We'll have more information coming for you soon, but we are going to have a conversation about creativity and identity with a local incredible artist who's experienced transformation in their life and the way that they are calibrating those two beautiful pieces of their story. Okay, well, let's jump into this conversation. We are going to reimagine Jesus is not coming to save you. For me, I grew up with a level of learned helplessness. Uh, cultivated dependence, codependence on God. My family ran on faith. Jesus was like the center point of our story, but I grew up in a faith tradition. I, I don't even know if it's faith tradition, but the kind of Christian faith that I was given, I would say the brand of it is, it was filled with certainty and it was filled with promises. I, it was kind of prosperity gospel. But the overarching message was that God's got this. And the overarching way that I came to understand faith was that if I asked and believed God for it, that God would be the one responsible for making it happen, which removed responsibility or my ability to respond or my power or my agency. This was with school. This is with love. This is with hard circumstances that I encountered. All of this was what I learned or what I came to know. And I'm not saying that these things were preached or spoken expressly across a pulpit, but the image that I internalized or the overall idea that I internalized was that God's got this, God is in control, and I am not, 
I don't have this and I don't have power to change my circumstances. And those of you who are driving or you're taking your walk or you're washing your dishes, some of y'all resonate with those feelings and y'all could say amen or you could be like, yo, don't ever ask me to say amen again. But as I was even saying it, I could just feel the empathy. I could feel folks resonating. My sisters and brothers, wherever you're at, resonating with that truth. You were given a message that undercut your agency, your power, your intellect, your creativity, your personhood. And you tried to make it fit and it didn't. And every time you made a decision to undermine what was true to you, trying to surrendering power and agency, believing that God would swoop in and change who you are and change your circumstances and change the world. We kept reinforcing those beliefs one decision at a time. It feels like to me, it's kind of like the uh, a faith of origin, which kind of feels like a family of origin. When you get mature enough or you grow up or you experience enough or something, it's almost like the lid comes off of the thing you've always been trying to suppress or the lid comes off of the ways you've always been oppressed, then you could kind of take a step back and look at it and see that, wow, this faith that I was raised in, the faith that I came to know really made me dependent, really undercut my power, undercut my agency. We are not alone in that. And that kind of system benefits that kind of system that promotes the person who has all the power and all the interpretation. Of course, it benefits them. For us to feel like, well, if we have a spiritual question or a question about scripture or a question about ourselves, well, this person who may or may not have any theological training, may or may not understand even the context from which the scriptures come or the context of our own lives. That's to the YouTube phenoms or the ways that we've heard messages kind of broadcast. We've looked to them for the answers for our lives and they don't have that context. They haven't encountered God in the ways we have in nature, through intellect and music in community in deep conversation in vulnerability in pain in our grief and loss. So how could they have the answers we need from them? That kind of faith promoted it almost cultivated codependence so everyone in the crowd needs the one person on the stage and the message of kinship has always been that there are unique encounters with God that we all have and we all can create and cultivate a larger much larger imagination for God when we're sharing with one another and when I'm saying oh this is what I see here oh this is what you see here and we grow a bigger picture of what we can expect or the kind of God we're interacting with. Build a different kind of relationship with God. That feels so true. So today, when I think about Palm Sunday, 
Some of us, we're not headed to church this Sunday. Some of us haven't been to church in a long time. But when I think about Palm Sunday, I'm thinking about the ways that all the people were expecting Jesus to change everything for them. They had heard it said, he would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, a prince of peace. He was coming to abolish the Roman Empire. Just you wait. When he comes, this is the moment we've been waiting for. After three years of walking and putting the heart and values and justice and love of God for everyone, especially the people on the margins, taking particular efforts to meet those people who had been outcasts and to welcome them in, to remind them of their power, to welcome them back into community. Now Jesus is coming to this moment where he knows that what his, his message, that the kingdom is come. There is a new way of being that this has been a threat far too long to the religious powers that be. And he's making his way in and all of the expectation is that he'll overthrow Rome. And there are religious powers in bed with Rome. And this is a threat to all of that. Jesus senses the end is near. I want to read this passage of scripture from the First Nations version of the Bible. These expectations. We can't do it, but you will. And we'll see what Jesus embodies in John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The following day, the people who had come to the Passover festival heard that creator sets free. Jesus was entering village of peace, Jerusalem. A great crowd of them took branches from palm trees and went out to greet him. Waving palm branches in their hands, they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, meaning help us. They cried out with glad hearts. We honor you as the one who has come, representing the great spirit. You are the great chief of the tribe of wrestles with creator, Israel. Creator sets free. Jesus was riding on a colt of a donkey to give full meaning to the ancient prophecy. Do not fear, O daughter of strong mountain Zion. Your great chief is coming to you in a humble way, riding on a young donkey. At the time, his followers did not understand these things. It was not until some time later, when he had entered his place of honor and bright shining greatness, that they remembered how the things done to him had first been written down by the ancient prophets long ago. Among this crowd were the ones who had seen Creator sets free Jesus bring Creator helps him Lazarus back from the dead. And they were telling everyone about this great miracle that's why the crowd was so large that day creator sets free jesus came riding down olive mountain and went into village of peace jerusalem his 12 followers encircled him and led the donkey forward he did not fit the powerful image of a conquering ruler for he was not riding a war horse 
Instead, he rode a small, humble colt of a donkey. No mighty warriors rode next to him. No dignitaries from village of peace, Jerusalem, came out to meet him. It was the most common people who welcomed him that day. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 18 in the First Nations version of the Bible. Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome. Jesus came to do something even more unstoppable than that. And in this moment, when I read it and think about it, I wonder how long would it have lasted if Jesus had overthrown the government of that time without offering the kind of hope, the kind of image of internal power and creativity and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and faith and hope. How long would that have lasted? Instead, Jesus came to inaugurate that kind of power within us. That's why later on he'll say, even greater things. Well, before this moment. <laughs> You'll do even greater things than I've done. You can do even greater. Jesus didn't come to be the answer to all of our prayers. Jesus came to remind us that we have the same divine spark within us. Other writers would try to say that the same, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is alive in us. That is humongous. Jesus didn't come to change the circumstances so that we could be free. Jesus came so that we could transform and become free no matter the circumstances. I keep thinking about the quote. It took one day for the slaves to be removed from Egypt. And it took 40 years to remove the Egypt from the slaves who'd been there. Jesus didn't come to change the circumstances so that you would be free. Jesus came so that you could cultivate the kind of faith and hope and love that makes you free no matter your circumstances. So how can you cultivate that kind of life? That kind of interpretive power, that kind of agency, that kind of honoring your experience along the way. What does that mean for you? And no matter how you experience Easter or this season, would you be reminded, can you remember? Many of us were raised in this kind of understanding of God that made us think, oh, well, well Jesus is going to come swoop in and save the day like Superman. I'll find my partner. Jesus is going to provide it. God's going to swoop in and save the day. Our finances. God's going to swoop in and save the day. 
our health, our children, relational challenges, marriages, career pathways, passions. Jesus will come in and swoop the day. Even Jesus didn't live that message. Even Jesus didn't communicate that message. And I know many of us have ingested it for years and years. I would remind you, Jesus came to instigate, unveil, provoke the kind of faith, hope, and love that makes you free no matter your circumstances. You're invited into that boldness, that bold kind of creative power of what it means to be human. That was the mission of Jesus, to unveil that reality. You've heard it said that that person up there on the stage makes all the meaning and tells you what it's like. But I say unto you, you have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead within you. Oh, man. Jesus is not coming to save you, but Jesus believes that you have everything you need to encounter wholeness, to instigate wholeness in your own life, to cut off the habits that make you feel like you're living in hell, and to begin moment by moment habits based on beliefs, based on that faith hope and love that provoke you into a heaven right now, heaven on earth situation. That is what Jesus came to do. Oh man, may you know that Jesus is not coming to save you. But Jesus came to provoke all the faith, hope and love you need to cultivate heaven right now oh man y'all that's big i have so much love and respect for y'all i would love to hear what you think i feel like i gotta open up our discord for some conversation may you walk in that this week and we will talk to you next week on the kinship collective podcast we are